Hello and welcome to a special episode, or a couple of special episodes, of It Is Complicated. Normally at this point you'd hear some plinky plonky ukulele music and Josephine's wonderful radio voice introduction. This is Dr. J attempting to do the same. I can't play plinky plonky ukulele music, so we'll just pretend that that's happened. And my introduction is putting a little bit of a top, a top and a tail, on a panel discussion that was held at the start of December 2022 for an event called NB City. So on the panel, there's myself, there's a lovely person called Malachi, there's a wonderful person called Haz, and an amazing organizer called Lily. The four of us were asked some questions. We've, it's all been recorded, and it was recorded as part of a podcast called Queer and Here. Uh, they're only available on YouTube. So having had a quick discussion with them, I said, hey, why don't we grab the audio, put a little top and tail on it, and put it out on the It Is Complicated podcast. Because I think it's such a good discussion, you'll really enjoy it. Um, so here it is without any further preamble. Hi everyone, welcome to Envy City. What are we calling this? The panel discussion. Welcome to the panel discussion. Um, mine is Harry or has, my pronouns are they, he. Hi, I'm Lily, pronouns she, they. Hey, I'm Dr. J, I use they as a pronoun. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Malachi, my pronouns are they, them. Should we, we should probably say a bit about ourselves as well, shouldn't we? So, um, I'm Harry. Um, I am, I'm an actor. I am currently studying musical theatre at Mount View. Um, I am also the creator and, I don't know what the word is, question asker um, on uh, Here and Queer, the queer podcast, um, which we are recording for today. Woo. That's it about me. Uh, Lily, do you want to talk a bit about yourself? Hi, I'm one of the producers of this event. I study creative producing, matching that. Um, I do come from theatre design, so my background is quite theatre-heavy, very traditional as well. Um, and um, yes, I will already, because it kind of works with that, um, I was very, when I moved to London two months, no, two and a half months ago, um, <laughs> so I'm quite fresh to the city, um, I kind of looked around and I really struggled with getting to, uh, yeah, kind of finding my place in the city. And then I talked to Alet and I was like, we need to do something. And that's kind of how the idea of this event was born. I just wanted to connect people and uh, bring everyone together. And I thought it's nice if we can create an event that caters for everyone, from the people who do like to party a bit more to people who are like, more quiet and like to play games so I thought we just bring everything together and then had the idea of bringing businesses in which work fabulously so do stop by studio five and I will now go over to Dr. J. Oh god how to describe myself um so uh I'm doctor because I have a PhD in immunology which wasn't important until about two years ago and then suddenly everyone's like wow you do immunology and I'm like yeah um so I did that I ended up um, in technology, just, it's a long story, we won't get into it, and I currently work for a technology company called ThoughtWorks that allowed me to write my own job title, so I got to write my job title, Harbinger of Change, because if you get to write your own, 
you know, make it so weird that everyone's like, what on earth is that? Um, and I'm a business analyst. I wave my hands and get people to talk, essentially. Um, what else do I do? Uh, I do a podcast called It Is Complicated with my best friend, uh, Josephine. We're about to release episode 54. We um, The episode that's currently up, we just did an interview with Kate Bornstein. Might have heard of them, might not. Yeah, they're a kind of unknown person that we gave some, we gave some space to. <laughs> <laughs> The fact that I said that about Kate Bornstein, I'm such an asshole. Um, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, uh, I've produced a festival called Quest of the Queer, um, and which most of you probably were too young to go to when it was out in 2015. Um, and um, I've been around the queer scene for 17 years since I arrived in this country. It's been 84 years and... <laughs> I feel old when I talk about being in London for 17 years now, um, and it's quite frightening. Um, I come from New Zealand, hence the slightly weird accent. Um, what else do you want to know? We'll probably find out more as I talk later. Uh, so I'm, um, I'm a writer of, of poems and essays and a director of theatre and performance art and a producer of experiences and shows and festivals and events and a consultant that tells people how to be better. Um, I've been doing all of the above for about eight years. I have yet to complete a qualification after GCSEs and I somehow I'm still employed. Well, hey. <laughs> That's the way to end it, well done. So yeah, we'll move on to questions. Um, so I suppose the first thing I would like to ask, maybe I'll answer them as well, uh, is uh, what does being non-binary mean to you? Um, uh, that's a big question. <laughs> but, uh, what does non-binary mean? Yeah, go on, Malachi, go first, please. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Um, controversially, eek, I don't identify as non-binary. Uh, okay. The words or phrase that I prefer is gender free. Nice. I'm free of gender and I'm I'm free of uh all labeling actually. Um so I can answer like being gender free for me is like allowing um truth in my existence regardless of the body that I exist in and regardless of how that body is perceived. Especially being a black person and being in this body there is often perceptions of me being like hostile or um, an aggressor. Um, and it's really interesting navigating spaces, being gender free and black, because I don't feel like I'm afforded as much liberation or space in my identity as like non-black people who are gender free or non-binary. So for me, it's just about kind of existing in truth and and existing in in spaces and existing in between spaces, and sometimes not existing at all. Thank you. Yeah, I was gonna say. Good yeah, luck to the yeah. Rest of us. I'm gonna do so. Yeah, I like this. We, you and I are just gonna have a tussle. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. What does it mean for me? So uh, the 25, I finally, or 24 and a bit, I finally came out as something uh, which was labeled as lesbian, but never felt like it fitted. And I always felt like I was 
in a straitjacket and wrong and couldn't figure out what was wrong because in 1995 when I came out before many of you were born uh, um, there was no there was no mainstream expression of non-binary it was all binary trans um, I could transition across a binary or I could be within a binary and that was it I came to London in 2005 just after the Gender Recognition Act had been created and um, that was in 2004 and I met a whole pile of people who were running this thing called Transfabulous and I got to meet a whole pile of ideas there around what it meant to be trans in this new world where trans was legalized but also people started to introduce me to this notion of being outside of the binary and there was this notion of non-binary there's a notion of genderqueer there's a notion of trans I was seen as trans masculine which is hilarious if you can see me now I am camper than a camp thing and I have beautiful nails um I'm not mask in any real sense other than my body fits men's clothing better than women's clothing so I've got, that's why I get seen as masks sometimes. Um, it's very, uh, anyway, um, so uh, one afternoon, one, one evening, I was having a discussion with my friend Josephine, uh, one of many, about what my gender was. And we're playing SingStar and having lots of fun on the PlayStation. And we discovered that my gender is, I'm trans, but I'm not transgender, I'm transgressive. So we then move from that to discovering what my gender is, which is a three-word sentence. I'm transgressive, non-binary, genderqueer. Now, those who say non-binary and genderqueer, they're umbrella terms and they're not normally used together. I say, see the first word, ha-ha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that uh, gave me the freedom to describe who I was in a way that most people went, that's way too complicated to understand. Uh, you're obviously don't fit into this side of the binary or that side of the binary. And I'm like, yeah, I'm off somewhere else finding coffee. And that's how I see non-binary. And that's how I describe it at work. It's like, there are men and there are women. You can move from one side to the other. You can be androgynous. You can do all sorts of things with this binary. I don't have a relationship to it. I don't get it. It doesn't have anything to do with who I see myself as. Um, so what does being non-binary mean to me? Um... I would say being non-binary to me, I, similarly to you, Malachi, I really connect with what you said. Don't really identify with anything. I cling to the term non-binary. I don't like terms. I don't like boxes, but I cling to the term non-binary because it's what feels most right um, at the minute. However, non-binary to me, being non-binary, being who I am, to me means love. And it means loving myself. Um, it took a long time to get here. Um, but yeah, to me, it just means loving myself regardless of what society tries to implement. What 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 other people see when they look at me. What other people, whatever boxes people want to put me in. I know I don't belong in them. That's what being non-binary is to me. Um, yeah, I think I'll leave it at that. <laughs> what does it mean to you, Lily? Please. Thank you. Wow. Now I feel like going last. As well. um, I would say it means to me, um, first of all, that I can just express myself freely, that I 
don't even try to fit in any box. I do, for me personally, find it still helpful to say I'm non-binary. Um, it just, I think, helps in where we are at the moment with people then knowing. But overall, I would say it helps me with, yeah, my creativity as well. Um, just because not trying to fit in any box feels like helps me just um, be just very liberating, actually. And I don't know how to top any of what you guys said, so I will. I was going to say, actually, that's a really good point. I experienced this today, really, or it, the words left my mouth today. Um, just how much being myself actually means to me and actually allows me to express myself not just as myself but as characters uh so I've just been through a rehearsal process um in which the director was fantastic and um very you know in the know with with everything um and she really allowed me to be who I am and she acknowledged that thank you uh she acknowledged that there were some things happening in the room maybe at times with the the musical director um would sometimes misgender me or stuff like that um and she acknowledged that was happening and she went and dealt with it without me having to say anything and I thought I, I mean it's it's just the right thing to do, isn't it? It's, it's what should happen. But for me, I was like, even though I shouldn't be, I should, I should be saying, well, yeah, thanks. That's what you meant to do. But it, it actually felt very, it felt lovely to know that, that, you know, yeah. The bar is so fucking low for I allyship. Know. <laughs> the bar is so low. Literally, um, it's almost like, you need to give people cookies for not beating you up. Um, I, I, yeah. It's set that low. But I'm I'm lucky where I work is that people are really getting the message about mm -hmm. allyship and understanding. And we talk about things like, um, when I joined six years ago, they didn't know how to ask somebody's pronouns. They now know not just to ask somebody's pronouns, they know to introduce themselves with pronouns so they don't have to ask somebody their pronouns when somebody is not easy to read in terms of a binary gender or something like that um which makes a big difference we now give out pronoun badges by the way i have a truckload of theys because um what's the line um <laughs> my their badges bring all the queers to my yard and their life is better than yours damn right is better than yours i would teach you but uh yeah we we would have to charge <laughs> <laughs> no i i i think you're correct. The, the the bar is so low it's so shit isn't it uh <laughs> the, the bar is so low um but yeah i i also sometimes count myself lucky to be in the theater industry which is i think so much further advanced in 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 this area particularly because it is so queer dominated than the rest of the world and the rest of the world the world outside of theater um and i and i i often like it it it, it hits me sometimes i realize i shouldn't be counting myself lucky for for being respected <laughs> like that should be a given like this is how it should be 
you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I think, did anyone else have anything to add? Did you want to have anything? Please do. I like Can it. Mm. My consultant brain is switched on when you say that word. <laughs> uh, I deliver consultancy in sort of organizational development and anti-racist training and sort of how to approach um, creating spaces that are anti-colonial from the ground up which is hard to do in an industry built uh, off of like charities. The first charity was the East India Company that is responsible for lots of Britain's wealth in the industrial revolution, which was extracted off of people that look like me. So it's really hard to like conceptualize what allyship looks like in a broken sector from my, from my point of view. Um, and oftentimes it feels really performative it feels like I'm being an ally today because it's the right thing to do. And tomorrow I'm going to say whatever it is that I say behind closed doors. Um, and I think sitting in, in an intersection of being queer and refusing gender and being neurodiverse and being black and sounding like how I sound, being from a working class uh, background, it's really tricky to like know which thing to represent. Like be an ally for my ethnicity, be an ally for my neurodiversities, be an ally for this, for that, for that. So I feel like I, I exist in a very particularistic space whereby allyship means giving up power and allyship means giving up um, space to enable other people who haven't historically had that space to access things and not just access it and be there, but access it and stay there and be able to bring other people in, if that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, I think allyship can be really box ticky and tokenistic, um, which is why there's like seasons of like, here are the gays! <laughs> and it's like, for two weeks only! It's like, oh, I didn't know I existed for two weeks at a time. That's so fascinating. Um, so I think that the industry's got allyship wrong. I think the people that um, perform allyship want pats on the back more than they want um, liberation. And liberation doesn't mean for some, liberation is for everybody, for people that sit at all those cross sections and for people who want to thrive in this industry. Like it means people have to give up power and give up space. And I don't see anyone willing to do that yet. Oops. <laughs> yeah. We don't we don't win till we all win. Um, did you have anything else to add? No. Uh we'll move on then. Uh so uh <laughs> no, it's fine. Um so I'm gonna ask, what does uh being non-binary or gender free how how does it inform your work? Hmm. Does anyone want to start? <laughs> yeah. I would go otherwise I get really anxious about <laughs> what everyone else is saying. I think my neurodiversity is kicking in. <laughs> um how unfortunate work. I think it's really hard to tell because obviously it's like my experience is only the experience I have, so I don't know how my work would look like if it would be any different. <laughs> um so I would say 
more in the writing that I feel like when how I connect with different types of characters when I write is a bit more where I would think I can sense um, where it kicks in of like not being uh, on the binary and also then find it in the characters obviously then when you write different kind of characters like how much could I even write a only female character because obviously my perspective or how uh, the experience I have or don't have is kind of like that informing so it's actually really interesting how um, it then subconsciously um, is a layer in it and how we have a lens but it's not that I go and look at my work and be like oh there there are none by never lenses I think it's just like being me and doing what I really like and then um creating a platform for that I really like that thank you um yeah I like that I often think about that because obviously a lot of of writers are men um and there's always that thing of anyone other than a man in their book their play their show whatever it's always written so poorly because how how do you know what it's like you know what I mean <laughs> how many crap female roles are there out there a lot um so yeah uh what 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 does being non-binary mean to me uh sorry no that we've asked that question how does being non-binary inform my work um I would say sort of the same answer again it just enables me if if I feel safe to be who I am in in a room in a rehearsal room um it just allows me to express myself more and I, I think that's that is generally it. how it informs my work is it makes my work better <laughs> um my work is better when I don't have a hundred things to worry about like am I going to be misgendered today am I going to do I feel comfortable to express myself how I want to express myself today it, it it's just so life is so much easier my work is so much better um the audiences are so much happier uh when when I can express myself properly and that's not to say like every role I'm ever going to play I'm going to make non-binary because that's just not how it works but uh or is it why shouldn't it be but um but well maybe they will in my head you know what I mean um but ju just me being me makes me better I think is just I totally echo that so I think it's about being able to authentically turn up as all of me so um I'd often be hired into companies who wanted the gay but then they go oh you're too gay could you tone down the gay a little bit it's okay to talk about DJing with the client but to, to tell them that you do it in a queer club that's over the edge and I'm like they asked me where I did it I told them I did it at the RVT the RVT is a queer club you know it was literally just that nitpicking all the time I'm now in a company that wants not just the queerness and the non-binariness they want the neurodiversity they want the mental health strangeness they want the fact that I'm a migrant, they want the fact that I come from working class background, but now get read as middle class, all of those things, they want all of that. And they want all of that from everybody and they want to make space. And one of the things that I've always pushed, and it's not saying 
when I say this, it's not saying that everyone has to be visible, but my ethos has always been, if we are not visible, we cannot demand that the world make space for us. So one of the things that I've always done is be visible as myself, just, just push that boundary and said, you have to make space for me. You need to make space for somebody who's got a name that's literally one letter, who's got a gender that's a sentence, who's got um, a CV that nobody understands because Brilliant. nobody would do this by for for any rational reason. Um, who's neurodiver who's neurodiverse in the weirdest way? I've got CPTSD, which makes me read as autistic or ADHD or something else, and it's all based on how anxious I am. The chiller I am, the less neurodiverse I appear. It's a very, very weird way of being neurodiverse when you're in a company and you're in spaces where people are talking about late diagnosed autism and things like that. And it's like my brain, I understand your brain because my brain does that, but my brain only does that when I'm under too much stress. Um, and being able to talk about all of these things and being able to be open means that you make space. And the more you make space, the more people step up and are able to be themselves and that's a real privilege to look back and go see all the spaces that you've pushed into and see that there are people coming up with genders that you've never freaking heard of and you're like wow I didn't know that was even even a possibility um I'm I'm waiting everyone says you, you know um there's um, men and women and non-binary and I'm like no call it gender diverse because I have no clue of what the young people are coming up with they're going to come up with things and then there'll be a fourth or a fifth or an nth variant and we just need to start expanding our notions of gender when we talk about when we start measuring diversity in places we don't just go 50 50 we go 40 40 20 and then 33 33 33 and then there'll be 25s across the board and then it'll be like oh fuck it there's just a whole pile of people and men are in the minority and they can just cope you know it's kind of that that pushing that thinking and seeing that starting to happen which is you know a real privilege and a real um we're supposed to be talking about joy it's a real joy to see that just by being visibly and painstakingly taking up space people fall into the space um and and people then start to be themselves and take up space in a very different way and challenge your thinking and challenge your ways of being thank you yeah that was really articulate um yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's an interesting one. I think for me, the way that it shows up in my work um, is that I I um, see myself as limitless, but I also don't really see myself as um, a human a lot of the time anyway. So it's like, yeah, I'm like, I feel like I'm... I just listen. Yeah. Be... <laughs> I think... I'm more I'm more speaking about from a metaphysical space like I I find it very hard to exist in in this body um but I find it very easy to dream um and I, f I find it joyful to dream and it's joyful to live in that space of liminality of like being perceived as male but transgressing that to borrow your word and being in this human form, but having metaphysical experiences and to be in this city and from it and feel completely removed from it and constantly just like navigating, um, hi over here, and constantly just navigating like these um, 
almost these binaries, right? So like the gender freedom is also the limitlessness to explore what the binaries may be, to reject it, and then to keep on doing that. It kind of, um, it eats itself in that way. Like you consume these different binaries. You know what, fuck it, I don't like that. Or I don't relate to that. Well, this doesn't make sense. What's the next thing? And what's the next thing? And what's the next thing? And that is, I feel really evident in my work, like the limitlessness of it. I directed a show last year and I wanted a scent designer. So I got a scent designer, you know, like that, the limitlessness of my thinking is only stopped by white cis heteronormative capitalism, but also myself. Um, so so my, my gender and lack thereof completely informs my work in that way. Thank you. I like that. We are limitless. We are limitless. Everyone, we are limitless. Um, there was a time where people like us, not suggesting that any of us are the same, but people like us were seen as gods. Like we are godlike. <laughs> not to bring religion into the room. I'm not religious, but like people, people saw us as, you know, something beyond human. Um, because we we don't feel the need to adapt ourselves to make other people feel happy. Uh, and therefore we feel joy. Woo. Um, shall we? Last question for me, and then I'm going to open it up to everyone. <laughs> Be prepared. Uh, if you have any questions, if you don't, then by all means, we'll just sit here and watch you walk out the room. Uh, so last question from moi. Right, so that was the end of the first half. Um, there is at least one more episode to come, if not two. The panel discussion did go on for some time. Uh, it was supposed to be 45 minutes. Being queers, we started a little late, and it ran for over an hour and a half. So I'm not entirely sure how long the second episode is. We did manage to pull the microphones um across the room at one point and unplugged everything from the computer that was recording it. So... Uh, as soon as I get the second half, I will be putting that out. I hope you enjoyed this. There would normally at this point be uh, an entire discussion about Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves is breathtaking. Enough said. We'll get onto it, and we'll get into it in detail again um, in the next thing. Meanwhile, um, give the Queer and Here guys a listen. They're available on YouTube, and I'll throw the link into the show notes. Um, you can also follow us on Patreon, uh, at patreon.com forward slash it is complicated on Twitter at it is complicated without the E um, on Mastodon uh, it is complicated uh, I think you, you should be able to find us uh, I'll also put the link in the show notes um, and I will see you all next time